This episode brought to you by Gary's Berries. The holidays are upon us, and what spreads Christmas cheer more than delicious food? Send your loved ones and business associates a corrugated box full of delicious berries. Each berry is lovingly picked by Gary Flenderman from his backyard blackberry bush. Gary drops the berries directly in a box from the U.S. Postal Service and sends them right to you. Most of the time, they're okay. Place your order of Gary's berries soon, because he's starting to run out of blackberries. What if you don't like blackberries, you ask? Well, why? Blackberries are delicious. Go to Gary'sBerries.com with two R's in Gary and one R in berries, and enter in code HMT at checkout to get twice as much berries for twice the price. Hello, and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, an angry man who is always right, and David Day, an angry man who is always right. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm Bryce Hansen. And I'm David Day. (laughs) (sighs) We've melded into the same person, right? It's 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 it is it's come full circle this week. Yeah, <laughs> shit, shit hit the fan earlier this week, and Bryce and I had an old an old a, a tiff like a married couple. Yeah, it it takes. I'd like to say it takes a lot to make me yell <laughs> in an argument, but I don't think it really does. I think it just takes certain personality conflicts. Is that what you think? Maybe. Yeah. Is that really what you think? (laughs) Click. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Click. (laughs) If any listeners out there want to strain your relationship, start a podcast with someone you like. We hugged it out. We did. We're all good. I I can't stay mad at you, baby. No, I can't stay mad at you. I love you. We kissed and made up. Gave each other hand jobs. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Uh, Enough about us. Actually, just kidding. Not enough about us. Go to our website, horrormovietalk.com. Uh, we're also on social media. You'll find all the links on the website. Uh, also, uh, we just joined the Amazon Associates program, which means you can support the podcast finally. I know you've been waiting to by buying or renting any movie or product on Amazon if you click through the green button in the header of our website. Right at the top. Click through that button and to help out the podcast uh, better yet bookmark that link and use it whenever you go shopping in amazon so you're all gonna buy christmas presents anyways why not just use our link so we can wet our beaks yeah it'll be sweet <clears throat> so yeah i wrote down so just click through our link to feed our hungry beaks we appreciate it <laughs> also uh we're still doing the audience survey that is a link in the sidebar on the post or also, in the main nav, there's a link to the audience survey. Uh, several people have responded, and, and uh, we really appreciate that. It gives us a good idea of who's listening. And uh, the, the good thing is it sounds like we don't have to change that much because <laughs> our listeners are right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we post... Just for your information, we post every Wednesday. It's a weekly show. Uh, please subscribe and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes um, if you like it. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to add that we got an exciting uh, sponsorship, quote unquote, sponsorship from Shutter. Yeah, the horror movie um, Netflix, 
which yeah. produces a bunch of their own unique content and has a bunch of, you know, horror movie classics and cult classics and all that kind of all that kind of mumbo jumbo on there, all streaming. And uh and if you if you subscribe to Shudder and use our our promo code HMT at checkout, that gets you a 30 month uh, free, thirty day. Th- I'm thirty month, thirty day free trial instead of a seven day free trial, and uh, and it uh, you know it helps us out quite a bit. So uh, if you if you end up subscribing to them, I think it's like four dollars four dollars a month if you're doing a monthly and and fifty dollars a year if you subscribe for a year. So not that much money. Tons of horror movies and shit on there for you to check out. Yeah, lots of stuff that you're not going to find on Amazon or Netflix. Exclusives. And, yeah, Mandy, for example. Yeah. And uh, even if you do find it on Amazon, a lot of the times it'll, you can connect your Shutter to yeah, it. Like, like, it. It says it's available through Shutter if you if you add the subscription to Shutter. So Exactly. So, yeah, if you click through <laughs> our Amazon link and then find a movie on Shutter, maybe, and then use our code i don't know how it works hmt at checkout on shut for shutter right do all that stuff and we'd be super appreciative not that we're not already we haven't done anything for you yet this episode so maybe we'll just mention all that again at the end yeah It's, it's nice having what are we at eight minutes of just talking about ourselves yeah that's great yeah whatever all right let's get into the show um today we will be talking about the house that jack built Director's Cut. Director's Cut. We'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being bad, 10 being good. You know how it works. 5 is probably the one clarification. 5 is average. Yeah. Like, you go in and you get what you expect out of a movie. Later, we'll be doing a couple games, a couple bits, uh, taglines. If you aren't a listener taglines is a staple staple that where we come up with alternate taglines for the movie we were reviewing and then a game kill count that's where i give david two movies and he has to guess which has the higher death count this is a remarkably hard game the way you set it up right and this one this episode it's going to be comedy themed it'll be comedy movies versus horror movies oh baby oh so we're i well i don't know i was gonna say this is comedy a lot of comedy horrors have low kill counts right like in my like i I don't think they're all comedy horror movies but they're well they're Shaun of the dead in one of them okay but it's all comedy movies are marked as comedy and versus horror movies Mm. so We'll see how that goes. Also, we'll just cover a little horror movie news since we this will be released this week, so it'll be relatively current. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. Let's get on with the show. All right. So we went and saw the house that Jack built, and it uh, it was a little chilly inside. Your house is a fine little house, Jack. Are you allowed to speak along the way? I was thinking there might be rules. Let me put it this way. Very few make it all the way without uttering a word. But do carry on merrily. Just don't believe you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. 
maybe a mistake. What was maybe a mistake? Me getting in this car with you. You might as well be a serial killer. Sorry, but you do kind of look like one. If I take a look in the van, please, sir. I'd be a bad guy if I said no. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. think about all the things I've done in my life without in any way resulting in punishment. So yeah, you might have heard a couple edits in there. I'm a little paranoid about about uh, fame by David Bowie getting flagged or something in iTunes. Yeah, it's... it's Trying to try to keep it less than 30 seconds. Even the, the Glenn Gould thing might get flagged, because that's like, as far as classical recordings, that's top tier um those bots they got listening are pretty they're pretty brutal and they're accurate too they know exactly what we'll see we'll see how it goes i i know (laughs) just read an article about a poker yeah uh like a podcast network that got dinged for like you know 10 million dollars or something for using you know some universal tracks on their podcasts they, so, they ignored the warnings. Yeah, but they, they got a cease and desist and did nothing about it, so we'll make sure not to do that. Yeah. But we'll see. We made an effort. It's in the you know form of a review or whatnot. You all heard us yeah, yeah. talk about it and, and care. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the, the house that Jack built isn't getting a wide release until December 28th, but we went to a one-night-only showing of the director's cut a month early in Portland at Cinema 21 because we're special. So cool. Not really. Just because it was showing and we saw it on Fandango. I'm a super hipster, bro. Yeah. Because we live in Portland, we get to see all the hipster flicks That's that right. you don't. Um, if you're one of the listeners in Australia or something. I'm assuming. <laughs> Burn. Uh, uh, so this is... I don't know. Maybe there's hipsters in Australia. Hell yeah, there, there's There's got to be a Australia. word for it in Australia, though. They're just upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Stripped hit. (laughs) (laughs) We can play that backwards and see what it actually makes. Hipster. The film tells the story of an unassuming yet prolific serial killer named Jack through a series of five short vignettes of some of his notable kills. It's told over the course of 12 years from mid to late 70s to mid to late 80s, I think. I know that it takes place... When Mount St. Helens erupted, which is eighty, yeah, yeah, um, it's in it's definitely in Washington State. Yeah, it's in rural Pacific Northwest. Jack's nom de guerre is Mister Sophistication, 
which he writes on the grisly photos he takes of his victims. Throughout this film, Jack's descriptions of his personal condition, problems, and thoughts are told through a recurring conversation with an unknown verge. What's that? What's that? When you say verge? Virgil. Virgil. The guy that was Oh, he's, he refers to him as verge. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack views himself as a sophisticated man, and the story is told through his own mixture of arrogant and narcissistic sophistry. If that sounds like a pretty pre- pretentious serial killer movie, well, I'd be lying if I say it, it wasn't. Yeah, hell yeah. The film is directed by Lars... Lars von Trier, who also directed all those art house movies you meant to see but never got around to. Jack is played by Matt Dillon, which is probably the best part of the movie. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you do you agree with that? Did you did you like him in this? Um, you know, I did. I did like him in this. Uh, he. This is. This movie irritated me to my core. This is this is a very split review between... The last couple we've done have been pretty split between yeah. the two of us. Yeah, which is interesting because we started out really on the same page and then we just kind of... We uh, we kind of got off the path uh, from each other, but this... Yeah, we're usually on the same side of five. Yeah. We're on the same side of average. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, th- this movie really irritated me, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it to... Uh, I'll get it to Matt Dillon. He did uh, He did really well. And he reminded me of a, even though he's kind of, you know, aging, he reminded me of a young Bruce Campbell a lot yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, so he did, he did a great job uh, portraying a psychopath, uh, pantomiming normal human facial expressions. <laughs> and when required, he had pretty, pretty good comedic timing. That was that was really the. I mean, aside from how strikingly similar he does look to to <laughs> to Bruce Campbell, his yeah, all of his um, comedic timing was was really dead on too, which is reminiscent. Yeah, Jack acts as the film's unreliable narrator and tells the story of his failings and mental illness from his elevated perspective of himself and his quote unquote art. Jack's victims include the likes of Uma Thurman, Sioban, Fallon Hogan, which you might recognize from Men in Black. You know, the lady yeah, that talked about... Egger suit. Egger suit. Yeah. Looked like he was wearing... He wanted... Egger suit. Sugar water. Water. <laughs> sugar water. And uh, Riley Keogh... Keogh. I don't know how to say Aww. it. Among others. The death scenes were genuinely disturbing and acted as punctuation for Jack's ruminations. I appreciated that they didn't dwell on the fetishization of the killings themselves. They were more handled uh, matter-of-factly, which to me makes them more impactful. It definitely delves into the distasteful and absurd with his storage and um, use of the bodies. Yeah. Um. I can see how this film could be viewed as too pretentious for its own good, but somehow, for me, it worked. We saw the director's cut, so there was definitely some fat that could be cut to improve pacing and make it um, slightly less art housey. But I found myself laughing and cringing at the right moments. I gave it a score of seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, why didn't you go higher? Um. Is it because- I mean I wasn't I wasn't super excited about it. It wasn't like it was interesting. It was better than average, but I wasn't 
blown away by it, and it's not like um top of the top of the list for me. That's fair. I um I had a hard time with this movie because I really did enjoy it for the first um half hour or an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh it was and then and then it committed some some sins that and it, that that really bothered me a, a whole lot. Um and and it progressively got more and more preachy and weird to me to the point where it stopped being charming and fun and it just started being pretentious and douchey. So I, I, I don't it's it's hard for me to say and the fact that this is the director's cut, I, I'd like to see the the uh, I'd like to see the the um theatrical release. But I don't know. This is somewhere between a four and a five for me. It's it's about I mean despite how much it bothered me, like the part it, it it's not terrible, mm-hmm. you know? It's just it it really did offend my sensibilities a little <laughs> bit. And 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 it was obvious that it was that that was done like to be edgy. Like it was like it wasn't done because it was like this is oh it needed to be done for the art of the movie. It was like uh it's I'm Two, three edgy, five me. You know, right? I mean, I have I have a theory about that, and we can delve more into it when we talk more about the movie. Which why don't we do right now? Okay. Spoilers. All right, so let's talk about spoilers. Um, um, first, I mean, some of this stuff isn't really spoilers, but, um, so yeah, this is definitely an art house horror movie. Um, there's kind of weird choices, uh, childhood flashbacks that are pretty stylized. Um, the cutting away to B-roll stuff, like showing, you know, like a lion and a lamb and, just weird stuff. And at times there's like a montage of, I think Lars von Trier films. <laughs> like I know that melancholia was in there. The clips from melancholia were in there somehow. Yeah. There was a bunch of extraneous bullshit that they kept showing yeah. that didn't, that didn't work for me very well. It, Some it, of the stuff stylistically I liked, like the, the, the tiger and the, the lamb part was like interesting to me. It was tiger like, and the lamb. Cause it's when Uma Thurman's character is talking about like, Oh, you look like a serial killer and whatever. And then like it cuts to oh, yeah. like a tiger, you know, it shows Dylan's face or Jack's face looking at her. And then it cuts to like a tiger and then t- cuts to like her face and cuts to a lamb. So it's like showing like, yes, he's, he is a predator. Cause we haven't really explained it yet by that point. Yeah. But I mean, little things like that, the, the B roll stuff is, it's an art house thing. It's just like, this is avant-garde. This has nothing to do with the story. It's a it's a color thing. If the audience know? could see my disgusted <laughs> expression right now. Um, the narrative style um, had the voiceovers of, and like in like, in an interview style. It has Jack talking with this unknown character named, that he calls Verge. His name is Virgil. Yeah. And it sounds at the beginning... Well, well, we'll get into that a little more later, but um, and also the the slow and measured pace, and uh-huh. part of part uh-huh. of this has to do with the director's cut, and part of it just has to do with you know the art house style of taking yeah. its time. So, you know, it's not for everyone. I know 
there were several people that didn't like Hereditary be- because of pacing, you know? Yeah. And to me, it's like I'm I'm used to movies like that and, and I have the patience for it. There's a huge difference. Yes, there's a huge chasm. There's a huge chasm between the pacing of Hereditary and the pacing of the house that Jack built. And the difference is necessity and... And the, all, all, everything that could be cut in the house that Jack built is unnecessary and doesn't add anything to the story, almost at all. I mean, there's there's a an argument to be made about keeping that stylistic stuff, but doing quicker cuts, like making it like sure. M- MTV style. Like I can think of, you know, like Requiem for a Dream. It's got a lot of like cuts in it where it's like back to back to back, like just even just a couple frames. Yeah, you know for for the cut and it communicates a lot in a short amount of time uh that's not what he was doing it for it was much more about color and and style than you know the actual storytelling if 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 you found some fat on hereditary it's juicy if you found some fat on the house that jack built it's just fucking flare yeah it's like grizzle yeah it's not um i mean so for me like a good example of the the pacing that worked, and as I was watching it and thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, the whole time I was watching, is like, this is a director's cut. I have to like understand that this is, you know, his taste. He wants to tell the story this exact way. Um, the good example of it is after the second killing, when he's, you know, subject to OCD, and he yeah, like keeps going. That was great. Going, going back, like. That's when it really works. Like all the the quick, all the cutting back to like his his mental image of like what did he miss, and going back and he goes back like two or two or three more times than a normal movie would have done. Right. It was like it was fabulous. It went right back to the well over and over again. And in ter- in terms of like storytelling, like it was very much more novelistic of just taking your time and showing what the reality is and the reality is boring right you know yeah i'd like to set that up just a little bit more so he goes so he's 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 got a taste for blood as a as a serial killer at this point right and so he so he approaches this kind of stranger's house and he knocks on her door and he like talks his way into her house after you know a long long effort a this lot is the of, lady that was in men in black right a lot of effort trying to get into her house and then he just goes and and he murders her. Yeah. And then, and then there's some dialogue in his head about like I got some I got some fucking OCD man. And then so he goes and he cleans up the kill. And then his and then he goes he gets ready to drive away in his van. And then his OCD kicks in and he like thinks about oh man there's probably all this blood over here under it, the lamp maybe maybe yeah, I left shows, a blood on, a lot of blood under the lamp and it, it shows him in his mind like going back to the scene of the crime and lifting up the rug and like being having a little spot of blood and he's like oh shit did I clean under the rug and then he shows him going back in and and cleaning it up and then coming out in the van and then it happens again and right. it happens again like. A normal movie would have showed it two times. This movie showed it like six times. Yeah. It was fabulous. And I loved it. And it worked really well. Yeah. And I thought, I, and I could not stop laughing yeah. at that part. It was one of those where it, like, it gets funny, it stops being funny, and then it gets funny again. Yeah, it just keep, it gets more and more ridiculous. And, and unfortunately, that's the kind of thing that's not going to make it into 
wide release. I would assume that has to make it into where that would be. If if that, yeah, I would hope in, that I hope that it would because that part did work. It worked really well. Like I loved it. But yeah, I mean that that kind of thing. It shows, and that was early in the movie, um, and it shows the director was taking his time to like really hit at home what he wanted the audience to know to understand about this character. It's perfect and it works because. <laughs> The thing he's talking about is OCD, and OCD is belabored and terrible. Right. And exactly as as shown here, it's like, it's too much. That's what it's about. Right. So, later in the movie, it's not as important to belabor the points that it's making. Right. Um, and it gets just a little tiresome for for how slow it is. But again, like I said, I... I I gave it the caveat of it's a it's a director's cut, so I knew I was gonna be a little bored. Yeah, and so I'm like, all right, whatever. You That's know. fair. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about Jack uh, about Matt Dillon's performance. I mean, it was a solid performance. You know, yeah, I think I mean even just watching the trailer, I I really liked the choices that he made with yeah. it, and just like the little smirks and and smiles. Yeah, he are, yeah, I mean. I really I really felt strongly about him as a character. So and not all, like it started out like oh this is fun and funny and then it got just it, his character became more and more reprehensible and and I really hated him towards the end. Right. Like yeah. when he was uh when he was dealing with that uh that blonde girl um, yeah. like he was I, I, I fucking hated him. Like, I was like, this, what a dickhead. Like, right. just what a total dick. Well, I mean, it, it's a pretty good representation of a psychopath. Like, yeah. It's, it's a, and that was, that's what made it so interesting to me is like the, the killings in it and stuff. It wasn't about like, oh, this is a, he's like a, he's a monster. He's, he's a, he's like an animal. It's like, yeah, but also he's just a human being with no, empathy at all i like my psychopaths flaming (laughs) i want i want christian bale and american psycho see i thought i thought it's a good comparison i thought he he like um what's his name what's the character in american psycho oh um uh holy shit um bateman yeah patrick patrick bateman so i mean it's it's pretty comparable to patrick bateman because it's like He's a normal person mimicking human emotion most of the time, and you can see it in his eyes. It's like he's got the shark eyes. He's got the the Tom Cruise eyes. <laughs> the problem, the problem is the the difference between Patrick Bateman and Jack is Patrick Bateman is played by someone with almost no personality that i can discern <laughs> well i know that christian bale when he talked about patrick bateman as a character he specifically said he watched tom cruise to try to like get that dead shark eye the eyes right you know just right. like showing that like you have no idea what's behind this is really interesting this is really interesting to me because uh, because patrick bateman is one of my very favorite right. characters ever Ever and Christian Bale is probably my favorite actor of all time, mm-hmm. and and the reason I like Christian Bale so much as an actor is because I can't I can't see him I can't see him having a person like there are a few actors who are so 
good at ditching whoever they are and becoming this new thing that I believe it every time because they're almost a blank slate to begin with. Right. And, and, and what's it? But Matt Dillon, while an excellent actor and does a very good job of portraying a psychopath, I, I still look at him and I go, he's a person. <laughs> you know whereas like patrick bateman is patrick bateman to me is a psychopath right you know um a little bit more about the character of of jack so yeah first and foremost he's a psychopath um like i said before he tries to mimic human emotion and there's a good scene where he's like taping up uh different pictures of emotions and trying to to mimic them which is pretty great yeah because it's like it's always great to see an actor and this is why i think he's such a great actor is is he's showing someone that can't feel the emotion try to look like he's feeling it and it looks like that right it doesn't look like he's an actor showing that emotion yeah looks like he's an actor showing someone that can't show emotion show that try to show that emotion right it's like a four-year-old who's just been told to smile in the picture (laughs) yeah yeah, like, mm. um, also, use obsessive compulsive. We already talked about. I had a question to the audience. I'd, that sounds like such a great idea. I wonder if that's been in other movies before. Are there any other OCD serial killers in the genre? You know, I mean, so it's a it's a really great question because if you were an OCD serial killer, there's be a like good, an evil monk. There's a good chance you would never be caught. Right. Right. So, there probably are, like, in real life, there are probably, I don't know, maybe, all, I mean, the most successful serial killers, I wonder, maybe. I wonder if Dexter, was Dexter, did he have OCD? Yeah. Like, yeah, he did, didn't he? He had, I, he I had some if, sort of... I mean, he was a blood sp- splatter analysis, so he knew exactly what he needed to do, but I can't remember if it was specifically if he had OCD or not. I'm on it. Okay, look it up. Um... So Jack's character, part of him, another big part running throughout the the movie is the idea that a part of him wants to get caught. And there's a flashback, and and Virgil is talking to him in the voiceover, um, showing a flashback of when in his childhood when he was playing hide and seek, and he'd run through the reeds. And Virgil pointed out, like, don't you think you always kind of wanted to get caught because? That would just leave a trail of reeds pointing right to you. Right. And it looks like the camera follows him through the the reeds and f- sees the young Jack, like, laying down, like, smiling. <laughs> like, you're going to catch me now, huh? Yeah. Here we go. And so there's there's a big element. That's a big element of the film. And it, wor- it works great because it's great for suspense. And you're like, well, where this is, where is this going to go? Because Jack doesn't care necessarily about doing things right. Even with his OCD, like he is, he is not careful about no. about his kills. No, he's he's not he's not. Well, he become he 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 talks about that. That's a theme in the movie, right? He says, "So I have OCD." At the start of this whole thing, he's not a kill a serial killer. He's just a psychopath, and Uma Thurman basically begs him to, <laughs> to kill her, and uh, and then he does, and he feels great, right? And uh, and with each uh, kill. He leaves behind a little bit more of his OCD. He talks about that quite a bit, how it's like this it's it's like this transformative experience to kill someone because I get to I get to drop a little bit more of my OCD with every 
every con- every consecutive kill. I didn't I didn't notice that theme, but yeah, that makes sense. That's what he kept talking about. He kept saying I became more and more reckless because I got freer and freer from this OCD. Right. Um. So, but I mean, that's that's funny because the same murder where he is showing the OCD cleaning up the house, like that's the one where he drags the lady behind the truck and leaves like a literal trail <laughs> of blood and body debris gore just like it's like uh, what's that what's that movie the the peanut butter gang or whatever Did uh, you ever watch that movie no all i remember from it is that they left a trail of paint behind the truck i don't remember anything about that movie other than it was weird imagine Imagine. But it was like a trail right to him, and then it, it rained and washed it all all away. Yeah, yeah. Imagine tying. Okay, okay. It's audience. like a human a human crayon. Let's just. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't need to go into. I don't need to go into my explanation. Yeah, he just ties her up to the back of his van, and drives for like ten miles, and she's dead. Well, she was dead to begin with. Yeah. But she's deader now. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> another big part of his character is he is he is a shitty architect. Yeah, man. He yeah he did not tend to like you were saying before. He didn't tend to care about doing things right mm-hmm. because he he was a terrible architect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was building this this dream house of his, but he kept having to tear it down and do it over because the materials he was choosing weren't right or the floor plan wasn't right or or whatever. Yeah, he and yeah, I I don't know how much that says about him as a um as a serial killer or just a flawed character. It's um but is it's an interesting little mechanic. Man, I got a lot of gas today. Oh, that's good to know. I'm going to hear a lot of burping in the uh, you know side. I, I'm a big fan of podcasts and radio shows that leave the burps in. You know, Howard Stern's big on that. Mm-hmm. All the um, vile, horrible podcasts that I listen to leave it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bert Kreischer. Yeah. And, let us know in the comments <laughs> and your mom's house. Let us know in the in the uh, listener survey on the website. <laughs> um, oh, also, These guys burp a lot. The, uh, yeah, and the Mister Sophistication thing and believing that his killing is his art um it more has to do about just how arrogant he is of just like i'm very important and this is important what i'm doing and like this is above you and but it's not i mean it's pretty it's just gruesome and absurd yeah most of the time yeah it's such a weird line that yeah. this guy, what's it, Von Trier? Mm-hmm. What's his name? Lars Von Trier. Lars. Fucking Lars. It's such a weird line that he tries to draw because, yeah, he's making all the correct points, right? To, like, avoid... It's a troll move, you know? This movie was, to me, it was a troll move because it got away with doing some really fucked up shit in the name of denouncing that fucked up shit, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we'll get more into that in a minute, because I want to talk about that specifically. Um, But first, I want to talk about the character of Verge, or Virgil. So it starts out pretty cool, like, you just hear his voice, and you're assuming it's, like, a therapist. I thought it might be, like, a court-appointed 
therapist or someone like analyzing him for trial or something. And then slowly it reveals more about Virgil and what's going on with Virgil and Jack in this voiceover. I didn't, I didn't really catch what was going on with, with Virgil. Yeah. And it's tied to the ending. It's explained in the epilogue, but about halfway through the film, they explain who Virgil is and it's Virgil, the the, angel, the poet. Uh, I don't know who that is. Virgil wrote the Aenid. Oh, Aenid. Okay. It's the like, it's one of the famous, you know, Rome, Roman poetry things. It's basically like the sequel to the Iliad and Odyssey. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, it's 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 like a up there on mythology and stuff and telling the story of. It's either the founding of Rome or I I haven't read it. I have it, but I still haven't read it. But the founding of Rome or an ex, or talking more about the Trojan War or something. See, suddenly my interest is super peaked because yeah. I love this kind of shit, like Hyperion, where they're like, the poet Keats is right. it, is this important character. And I'm like, tell me more about Keats. <laughs> I don't know why I care. And then but- the other thing about Virgil, more the the more apt literary reference is. Dante's Inferno and in Dante's Inferno Virgil was who led Dante through um hell and purgatory. Oh shit. So that it was basically and I mean literally in the epilogue was showing Jack going through the being led through the depths of hell. Yeah, descending through the circles of hell a la Dante's Inferno and he was being led by Virgil exactly like Dante was. Yeah. It did have a bit of a uh, as above, so below feel to so it. So how? <laughs> I mean, how pretentious does that sound? I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good art house, right there. Yeah, that's about as art housey as you get. Talking about Dante's Inferno, literary references, and you know. Anyway, so that, that was that, that was interesting to me. Um, the killings. Um, so five acts, several more killings than that. Um, he mentions briefly that he's killed 60, 60 or something. 61 <laughs> at one point um, people um, at the last during the last act. And he's between the, the last act and the epilogue. There's even more stuff that's going on. Yeah. But first one is Uma. You can see it in the trailer. Uh, you, you get pretty much what's going to go on there. Uma, Uma Thurman's character is kind of an overbearing middle-aged Woman that's broken on the side of the road, broken down car on the side of the road, and is getting a lift and being very demanding, and also being very like forward and like, well, this was a bad idea. You could be a serial killer. You kind of look like a serial killer. Are you going to kill me? Are you going to shove that thing into my face and kill me and bury me in the woods? You should probably, you should probably do that. I mean, well, I I know how to protect myself, but I mean, if you were a serial killer, you probably are a serial killer, right? And then of course, like, well. Yeah. He is. Well, but he wasn't. I don't think until then. Like he was he so didn't want to have anything to do with her. Like he was like, "Lady, I got fucking shit to do." <laughs> and then she just like kept foisting herself on him and basically like and and basically making a case to kill her. Like she was like, "I'm so annoying, right?" <laughs> He's like, right. "I bet you wish you could kill me." Like and and then the other thing that occurs to me as we're talking about this is Uma Thurman is playing a role that you've seen before, and it's any role where she's been directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's the role Uma Thurman is playing in this film. Kind of pretentious and annoying, 
but beautiful and um and and uh and just kind of telling you what to do kind of i i, I don't know maybe do, i don't do, i don't see the parallel but i don't know it's it's a it's a role i've seen uma play before in kill bill and pulp fiction and um it's it's just a a, a headstrong woman who yeah is very I guess, demanding i guess in that in that terms yes is yeah. very demanding and 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 it just it just is so it reminds me of her of, of those roles so much i guess the 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 differentiation for me is that yes she's a strong woman but that in this movie she's specifically annoying and presumptuous yeah is what changes yeah. it like in the other movies she's in charge and like kicking ass yeah. usually um this i mean she's a victim that's true so um she Second. looked much different than Uma Thurman. Like they did something weird thing to her nose. It yeah, was hard for me. It I was hard for me to realize that it was her at first. Yeah, I can't. I can't put my finger on it. Whether there was cosmetic stuff or if she's just getting a little older and a Maybe. little a little puffier. Like I, I mean, she still looks great. Yeah, um, I but she she looks older. Yeah, um, more believable as a you know. Like I couldn't imagine her ten years ago being able to play a middle aged woman broken up broken down on the side of the road. Like no. be like, no, that's not Yeah, she was she did she did a great job. I wish she had been in it for longer because she's a great actress and I like her a lot. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, me too. Second killing, we already talked about a lot. The men in black lady, he talks his way into the into her house. Like very lamely, and that was that was a great comedic <laughs> part. He's like, "Hey, yeah, I'm a cop," and she's like, "Show me your badge." Good news, I don't have a badge, but it's because I got a promotion. Yeah, You're probably that's wondering ticket. why that's good news. <laughs> and she's like, "Uh, what?" And he's like, "Actually, I'm an insurance salesman. You you passed the test." And it's all just like she's very skeptical, and then he's like, "I'm gonna make you." Twice as much money from your dead husband's pension. She's like, really? All right, come come right in. Do it's go like, on. On on one hand, it's like showing a very realistic, like suspicion, but also, in some ways, they're very real- realistic that some people are just are suckers when it comes to I can make you money. You know, I can give yeah. you more money, and that's that's the end. So he goes in and very simply just strangles her to death, and it's like pretty pretty crappy job like he he uh messes up he has to like redo it a couple times or something like that and then that's the one where he's all ocding out which is a fairly from what i understand is a fairly realistic interpretation of of strangling some it's apparently it is very difficult to kill someone with your hands right and then in the next story it's just some random lady or so i've heard and he talks about (laughs) should i be worried (laughs) I mean, you kind of look like a serial killer, David. I mean, I mean, should I, you could just kill me right now yeah, in I this could. podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be just all a ruse. It might be. We'll but, just have, you to, know. have to see how many episodes you get going. Um, um, bro- so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so the next killing makes it makes the point specifically that he he has gotten better at strangling people to death and shows <laughs> that. And it's like, okay, yeah. But it also shows that he's gotten a lot more reckless because, like. He takes that lady into the freezer 
And then one of the things he does is take pictures of the victims, like, posed and stuff. And then he's like, ah, I didn't get a great shot. And so he takes her out of the freezer all rigor mortis. And frozen. And frozen. <laughs> and, like, drags her back to the apartment. On the way, runs over someone that's walking along the side of the road and takes them, too. Because he just couldn't help it. And and then he takes a bunch of photos. And then that's, like, that's the point at... Well, I guess that's not really the point at which it turns, but it it ups the level of absurdity and the the gallows humor yeah. of it. It's like there's blood in the water. Right? Yeah, it's like he's frenzied because he shows, you know, he's posing them, and the one lady is stuck in the one pose that yeah. she was frozen in, and then it shows him doing all this weird poses <laughs> and stuff, and with these bodies, and it it is kind of funny, but it is like really really tasteless <laughs> all all with the intent to fuel his art right this right. The, the purpose behind him taking pictures is the pictures are his artwork where he's taking you know what was once an ugly person and making in them into beautiful art um the fourth is like he's all of a sudden a family man and he has like i mean assume is is it did it say he was married it uh, no, looked it, like his wife and kids, but it might have been just a woman and her kids. I think it was just a woman and her kids. This is where it jumped the shark, shark like a fucking madman. Yeah, so this is probably why why I liked it and why David didn't. Because at this point, it starts becoming much, much more like along the, the vein of human centipede. Human. <laughs> and, and less along the lines of like a traditional serial killer. And because uh, he... This is the part that's like truly disturbing because he takes this this woman and her two kids out for a picnic to and going going hunting and he like sets up in this tree stand and is showing this kid like how to shoot and like the responsibility of hunting and the history of hunting because he's mr sophistication right very nice and uh talking about it and then at one point he does shoot a deer or it shows like a shot of showing a deer which I just have to take a sidebar was one of the most interesting parts as an audience member. Cause in Portland among all these hipsters, like no one was really blinking an eye about the horrific killings that were happening. But I did hear one like audible gasp when the deer was actually shot. He killed a deer. Just like that's too far. <laughs> and frankly, I agree. That's my problem with this movie. They killed the deer, and it's unacceptable. Right. No, that's that's uh, not my problem. So at that point, he like he kills the family, and it is whoa. You are you are glancing over a lot. He, it, I it mean, is, it's it's terrifying. It's like yeah, one of the most effective things, and that's like when it was really disturbing, and it handles it so plainly. Uh, it's, it's, it's that's that's what I talk about when it's not about like the fetishization of it. It's literally just now you watch. It's like all this hoity-toity uh, sophistication talk. It's got Glenn Gould playing over the back. He's he's acting as a father figure, and then just straight up you, watching people die. Now, now you now you're just watching people die. It doesn't feel like a film. It looks it feels like a snuff film. It feels like a snuff film. Yeah, and and you know what. I, I I really have a, a I don't want to be this guy at all. <laughs> like I'm against this guy in almost every scenario. I think 
you know, to be the guy who's like, well, they did this, and this just totally gets them up. This is totally unacceptable. I'm not going to say it's totally unacceptable. I don't believe it's totally unacceptable. It is art. You can, you know, you can do as you want. I'm going to say that it was exploitation. Yes. And, absolutely. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't, it's not my deal, man. Because they put the camera in the scope of a rifle and then they made it track a little kid as the kid's running in fear. And then they fucking shot the little kid. At, and you're, you're looking at it like as, as if you're aiming at this little kid. And right. that's fucked up. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I don't want to be the guy who's like, this is totally unacceptable. But it really was. It really was very upsetting <laughs> yeah, to me. But, but we have kids, right? <laughs> so I it's... have I have kids, and uh, and it just it. I, I don't like how it exploits how it da- tries to dance on those nerves. I think yeah. that's. I think it's fucking cheap, and and yeah, he's he's got a... a big fucking smug grin over there, <laughs> and I think he he. I think it's a troll move. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous line to tread when you're a filmmaker to go over the line like that. Yeah. And for some people it's going to work and for some people it's not. Yeah. And yeah. And that's fine, you know? So so you know, if 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 that's your thing, you know, then fine. Great. Yeah. But it's not my thing. Like it it was interesting to me how it was handled that it was so so plain and it felt so much like a snuff film. All of a sudden, it felt very out of place, yeah. stylistically, versus like how he's setting it up. Um, which I, for me, it works because the film is being told through Jack's narrative, which is, you know, a classical, unreliable um, narrator. Yeah. So I mean, he's an unreliable narrator for describing like his motivations and why he's doing it. Yeah. Um, and then you you see. The killings, and you're like, how could you do that and feel like, oh, this is art, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, this is this is horrible. You're just evil. That's, yeah. That's all it is. You're an evil, evil person, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely where the movie jumped the shark for yeah. me, and uh, and it ma- it makes me uncomfortable to think about. Well, then it gets worse from there because then the the final act is simple. This girl that is basically his girlfriend, and he has he is such an asshole to her. And has such a low opinion, and she's such a victim that he literally just calls her simple, simple-minded. Yeah, yeah. It's... Compared to him, because he's Mister Sophistication, right? And yeah. it is also tasteless. I mean, this is it, it. It just ramps it up from there in terms of like, what can we show on film? What yeah. can we get away with? And uh, yeah, I won't. I won't necessarily spoil what what he does, but like. It's a tragedy what happens to that poor woman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um it does it does just I wouldn't say it ramps up from killing the little kids. <laughs> it, it stays it stays <laughs> pretty steady. That's fair. Um but uh but yeah, at that point the movie took a turn that I really like I was just like, okay, well this is this is what this is and I don't like it, so yeah. Um, okay, so this this makes me wonder about how much of this oh. film is a meta narrative about serial killer movies in yeah. themselves because it's like he's 
he's an unreliable narrator and then whenever i hear narration like a voiceover i always assume especially if it's like an auteur movie and if i think it was written by lars von trier maybe i think yeah. i don't know maybe let me check real quick that's probably a important thing to know so to uh to get back to what we were talking about earlier about dexter i can confirm that he had an- he had anti uh antisocial personality disorder i don't i see i do seem to recall him having some sort of like ptsd or maybe um i thought i thought it was ocd but i guess i guess if you got some of that you probably got a lot of that so yeah so lars von trier also wrote the house that jack built so whenever i hear a narrator in that situation it's literally the filmmaker talking to the audience right is is what it's about so like a lot of it is is him going over the line and saying like this and when he talks about jack being mr sophistication and this is what he considers to be his art like lars von trier is talking about this is my art and he's just showing horrible horrible things on film because what does what do serial killers what is our fascination about serial killers and and killing on film tell us about ourselves like how is that how does that function as art which was interesting to me like i i i was not bothered enough with the things that i was bothered about to not be not buy into that right you know that sub con that subtext that's an interesting that's a really interesting point actually because um you know, I I haven't actually seen any other Lars von Trier movies. Yeah, I guess neither I, have I. Actually, I guess I'm going to have to. I know there's Antichrist and um, Dogville. He also did Dogville, Dancer in the Dark with Bjork and Melancholia. Um, so I haven't seen any of Lars von Trier's other movies. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But the point that you bring <laughs> up about you know the director talking about this is my art, like like Lars von Trier is you know a too edgy for me kind of director who does do a lot of fucked up shit in his movies and it is his art. Right. And, um, well, it's, I, I read a little bit about him in IMDB and, and one of the notable things is, um, this is the first, when he, he didn't bring this to the, the Cannes film festival because he wasn't invited or something, but he was one of those where it was a, it was a very much talked about screening that wasn't officially part of the film festival. Everybody run across the street over here. We got a Lars yeah. von Trier party going on. And apparently he's kind of the bad boy of, of Cannes Film Festival because when he won some kind of prize, he was like, fuck this shit and <laughs> fuck um, Roman Polanski in particular. <laughs> Like, <laughs> he was like called Roman Polanski like a little gnome or something like that. Good, good just for him. Like, and so, and then they like burn the prize on the beach, like him and some other people. So wow! I, like, I have I suddenly have a whole lot of respect for <laughs> Lars von Trier. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a controversial character, and probably you know a little full of himself. For, you know, just from seeing this movie, actually, I, from I, from the reviews that I did see, did come across on this movie, it sounded like people just said, "Well, this is along the lines of his other movies," but he. F- went over the edge and this is just the worst one out of all of them, you know? You know, I, this actually brings up an interesting thing, um, that I, that I have been thinking about, which is, um, Roman, Roman Polanski did, um, Rosemary's Baby, right? Yep. And I really w- would like to review that movie, uh-huh. but the more I think about it, I, I think, 
we should actually have a moratorium on Roman Polanski <clears throat> because I don't I don't want to like so for those of you who don't know Roman Polanski is a child rapist I, I believe who fled the country anyway I I don't think we should give him the time of day because that's pretty despicable shit <laughs> so. <laughs> I heard another podcast do do that a similar thing where they're like, we don't talk about this his stuff. So, huh. yeah, I think I that's a worthy. I don't, I don't care enough about it. <laughs> I, I like the movie. Yeah, like I would I would review it just because it's a, a movie. Well, in, in any case, fuck Roman Polanski. I'm not going to say like I love Roman Polanski or anything or like laud his praises, but hey, if he direct if he was a good director of that movie, then sure. Yeah. I mean, I love some of his movies. Same thing with, like, um, Woody, you know? Yeah, like, that's true. I can put put aside stuff because, I don't know, maybe I'm a bad person, but... Well, yeah, that's that's a, that's a the, the toughest question to answer, and it really comes down to a personal choice, right? There's no right answer. And maybe that's, like, the, you know, part of what this film is trying to ask is, like, what what is the value of the art? Right. Itself. Yeah. Like, what, like, at what point does the art stand on its own aside from the terrible person who makes it? Right. Yeah. Wow. Deep shit. Deep shit. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, just briefly a couple more things. Um, Jack is kind of ex- obsessed with the negative of the f- of the photos that he takes and kind of describes the the negative being great because it shows the the darkness of the light. Which you know sounds pretty pretentious, but it's also just kind of showing when you're talking about serial killers, that's what's interesting. Is it shows like the the darkness as light, right? Know? The thing like that... you're, you're following and and rooting for this terrible, terrible, evil person for some reason, you know? Right, and it and it goes to show the you know how personal. You know, there is no black and white, right? Because someone, someone's black may be your white. Right. And, and so everything is also subjective that, you know, you, that you can be watching a movie about a serial killer and, and, you know, be rooting for the serial killer if they set it up correctly. Right. Um, finally, the, the epilogue happens. Um, it's like, right. It's kind of done stylistically, but it show it shows him um, with Jack with the police right on his heels, and he's completely reckless. And then all of a sudden, Virgil shows up and and uh, leads him down into this random sewer hole. <laughs> yeah, they go through the inferno, and this part is probably like for me the favorite part, my favorite part of the movie. It's interesting. And it ties a bow on it, and it's completely out of place. Like, it feels so much like it could be a short film on its own, but it it can't because it relies on the film, all the rest of the film up to that point. But it's a super, super stylized journey through hell with Jack following Virgil and going through, and then it ends with, like, (laughs) this final temptation of, like, all right. This is a vast chasm of lava, and that's where all the worst of the worst go. Yeah. And there's this broken bridge, 
And on the other side, th- those stairs just go to heaven. Yeah, so if you can get over there, you you go to heaven. Like, he doesn't even say that. Like, yeah. Like this, he just says, like, yeah, it Jack work has now. to ask him. He's like, what's over there? And he's like, oh, there? Oh, that, um... That's just that, the stairway to heaven. I think that goes to heaven. You might have um, heard about it. Yeah. Led Zeppelin saw, talked about it before. It's pretty great. Uh, and then Jack asks, like, well, what if I... Well, it looks like you could just climb around the rocks around here. Can, has anyone... And then Virgil's like, many people have tried, but no one's ever done it. And then, of course, Jack does it. I mean, he tries and, yeah. and fails. I mean, we're but, getting, I mean, this is basically the spoiler of spoilers. But, but it's very mythological. Like, yeah. It's very like, like, yeah, I mean, that, that ties it up in a little bow of Jack always wants to get caught. And he wants to do the thing, even though he knows, you know, it's going to result in worse, a worse situation for him. Yeah. And so it's just finally like, yeah, he, he descends in hell. Even, even after Virgil's like, I just wanted to show you this because you are interested, but you're not down here. We're, we're a couple levels up. We're a couple in the, like the, the slightly better levels of hell. Yeah. We should, know? yeah, we should go and push it. We should, we, I, we should like back off cause this is too much for you. Yeah, so it's it's this nice little setting the stage of a reverse Icarus. You can you can try to go over there, but don't push your luck. Don't push your luck because yeah. you'll fall down. And, and yeah, then there's it. the added like my favorite part of that whole thing was at the end. So he he ends up he ends up try, tr- trying to traverse in, to, over to the heaven side, and he he falls. Um, so he he ends up in the de- deepest pit of hell. Yeah. And as as he's falling and 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 he disappears, um, then a picture is taken of of oh, the yeah. deepest pit of hell, and then it shows the negative, and all the darkness down there turns to light. And so maybe hell for him is is the heaven for you. you yeah. Know? Maybe maybe because he's such a fucked up weird guy. Maybe hell's like the deepest pit of hell is the place that he should be, or at least that's how I interpreted yeah. it. And then it's also just kind of dramatic irony. I don't know if that's the right sense, right uh, use for that phrase, but just you know what's going to happen, right? Like, of course he's going to fall, right? Like that's the whole point. If you're you re- you're doomed because this is who you are, right? You know, if you really want to, of course wanted you're be- going to go into the deepest pit of hell because you can't help yourself, right? If Lars von Trier really wanted to be edgy, like really edgy, he did. He sent him to heaven <laughs> <laughs> with the deer. <laughs> <laughs> so, final recommendations. Uh, who would like this? I would say, uh, if you're a serial killer fan, if you like the genre, the subgenre of serial killers, this is a really good version of that interesting does a couple different things and if you're a fan of art house movies or specifically Lars von Trier films you should you'd probably be interested enough to see it yeah if you if you are a fan of the darkest of dark comedy this will uh this will wet your beak pretty good because this is some dark shit you might be bored but if you there'll be stuff you walk away that's like huh I've never seen that before and that goes places that I didn't it would, and I've never seen before. Yeah, what do you think they'll cut from the from the film for wide release? You know, it's the obvious spot to uh, to cut from would be that end epilogue part. Um, but on the other hand, it works so well and it's yeah. so interesting that I kind of hope they don't. 
I I mean, so a lot of the talk that he does back and forth with uh, Verge. Um, that weird montage where he shows stuff from like melancholy and stuff, that's going to go. That just adds nothing. Is that the part where the dude's playing the piano? Is that melancholia? That, no, the, <laughs> that's literally Glenn Gould. He's playing um, Bach something. It looked like Jerry Lewis. I was like, why is Jerry Lewis playing the piano? <laughs> no, if you're like... If you're trying to be sophisticated and you listen to, to classical music, like the Glenn Gould recordings of of Bach, either the um, the uh, Goldberg variations or what was the other one? But they're they're really famous because Glenn Gould was kind of like a bad boy classical pianist, and in his recordings he would sing along, and you can always hear him like singing along, and he's not you know a great singer, and you're not supposed to sing while you're playing Bach but it's the it cuts back and forth to um film of Glenn Gould playing I think it's the Goldberg variations or some kind of concerto or whatever but um but yeah it's it's out of place they'll probably pull some of that stuff out all of the the weird stuff I I can't imagine that they'd pull all of it out because it's such a stylistic choice that it'd be weird without it yeah like I- it it, it at some point, it does add to it, but at some point, it retracts from it. So, some yeah. of that's got to go. And a, a lot of pacing. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's cut for pacing I want, and time. I, I, it'll be really interesting to go and see that the. I, no matter, I I really don't want to. Like, you know, I wonder. Again. I wonder if the family part, like the part where it goes over the line for you, if yeah. that stuff is going to get taken out. If you like, you don't see the kid's knee explode. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention another. <laughs> I don't want oh. The other mention is like he taxidermies the kid. That was so fucking inappropriate. It was so <laughs> fucked up. He taxidermies this kid to have a smile and wave at him. So whenever he comes into his freezer where he keeps his bodies, this kid is waving at him. Boo. Which was, for me, hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Because I like the human centipede. Like, I, I love that that stuff. It's that, like, yeah, this is so tasteless bleh. and absurd that I'm just, I, I almost just want to stand up and clap. Like, <laughs> Well, it takes all kinds. There it is. So with that. With that. We're moving to taglines. Here's Tagline. Um, yeah, for some reason this one was hard for me. Uh, this wasn't so so this wasn't so bad for me. How many you got? I got 3. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, the house that Jack built. American Psycho starring Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> the house that Jack built. In rural America, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> oh, uh, we should in, we should intro taglines, which is this oh yeah, is, yeah. This is a, a, a bit where we, um, you know, where we write taglines that we think would be appropriate for the movie. I don't think this movie actually had any taglines written for it, hmm. so we uh, we will be giving this movie the only taglines that exist 
before the movie, I believe. Yeah, if you're listening, Lars von Trier, I mean, you still got time before yeah. wide release. You could use some of these. Yeah, go ahead and, and tagline it as American Psycho, starring Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Okay, you go. Okay. Uh, the house that Jack built. I wouldn't move that. Those are load-bearing pubes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention <laughs> uh, the... Uh, should we? I mean, it's we're already talking about spoilers. Yeah. Like, we've talked about pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, anyone that listens to this, you're going to be listening to it a, practically a month in advance before you can watch it. So, yeah. obviously, you don't care about spoilers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, <laughs> the reason for why it's called The House That Jack Built, because Jack builds a house at the end of the movie just made out of frozen bodies. Out of all the corpses he's compiled. Yeah. And um, it's the perfect house that he finally... Right. This is the, the medium he had to do it in. Right. And it's absurd and great. Yeah, so don't move those, because those are load-bearing pubes. The house that Jack built. Child taxidermy and literary references. <laughs> Classy. Mm-hmm. The house that Jack built. It was like he was wearing a suit. A Jack suit. <laughs> <laughs> he said he wanted water. Sugar water. Good. The house that Jack built. Oh, <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the the realization is like you're looking through like oh what what is the meaning of this what's it, where is he going and it's like any movie that features building a house out of dead bodies yeah. is like. They're not going really for high art, right? <laughs> like, there's not really that much deeper. It's just the director having fun. <laughs> but the li- the interesting and literal part of it is is like that's shit that serial killers do, right? That's true. Yeah, like oh uh, yeah, I just um just really needed a lamp made out of lampshade made out of skin, it's human true. skin, yeah, specifically. It's like goddamn, that's fucking. What are you doing? <laughs> Like, arts and crafts. <laughs> uh, the house that Jack built, capitalizing on the long, rich history of serial killers in Washington State. Lots of lots of serial killers over here. Are there? All, all I can remember is Wesley Allen Dodd. Wesley Allen Dodd, the killer who killed in the park that I played in as a little kid. Right. <laughs> it, during the time that I played there. Yeah, I... Like, Kevin talks about knowing some of the victims, like the the family, the brothers that got killed. I can't remember their names, but... Yeah, yeah, in uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, we were right around here during Wesley Allen Dodd's Reign of Terror. Yeah. And I don't really remember anything about it or know that much about it. I him. don't remember anything about it either. Um, I just, like, I just realized several years ago, I was like, Wesley Allen Dodd, I th- he was around here, and then I uh, looked it up. I was like, oh, shit, I played in that park. Oh, shit, it was in 1992. Like, I think one of his victims was, or one of the bodies was found in Vancouver Lake Park. Uh, it would make sense. And that's like miles away from here. Oh, yeah, and, yeah and he targeted little kids. Yeah. So it was like, ooh. Anyway, yeah, the other one was um, the green, the, the other not- big notable one is the Green River Killer. Oh, who, that's right. Who's, yeah. Very interesting. Up in Seattle, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. Is that all your taglines? That's all my taglines. Okay. Next, we will be playing Kill Count. One, One two, two, three, four, five, three, six, seven, eight, four, nine, 
That was so geeky. That's great. This is what happens when you try to roll your own. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we doing in Kill Count? So Kill Count is a game where I give David two movies. Um, One will be a horror movie and one will be a grab bag of genres. But on this edition, it will be a comedy. And David has to guess which one has more deaths in it. Okay, I can do this. You play along, you tell us how, how you guys do. Uh, one point per uh, per uh, question. I got five here. Okay. Number one, so two technically two comedies, because one's a comedy horror. Hot Shots Part Do. I, oh no. <laughs> versus Shaun of the Dead. Uh, so I have to guess which one has more yeah. kills in it. Okay, so this, so uh, we got to like do a little clarification here, obviously, on Shaun of the Dead because you can't kill the dead because they're dead, right? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I would assume that it would include killing, killing the zombies. Dead. Yeah, yeah, probably just just from a logic standpoint, right? Yeah, I would. I would also assume, just looking at the number to give you a clue, it does not include all the zombies that don't get killed, right? Just Right, because like they've been big, killed to yeah. become zombies. Right. Right, that complicates things. Yeah. Let's take it from the logical standpoint of killing the zombies. Whatever deaths you see on screen. Right. Okay. I uh, think. It has been a long time since I've seen Hot Shots uh, Part do. Part uh, do. do. So I'm going to go ahead and... What is that Charlie Sheen up to nowadays? Oh, man, that's a good question. He's he's getting healed by Cytodyne. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our mutual... Go, please go buy Cytodyne stock. Go buy Cytodyne stock. Uh, stock symbol CYDY right now. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I'm going to... It's a Vancouver company also. Yeah, big yeah. deal. Let's check them out. <laughs> Enter HMT at checkout. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say Shaun of the Dead because I've seen that movie recently. It is Hot Shots Part 2. Damn it! I can't catch a break in this game. Hot Shots Part 2 has almost twice as much. Wow! Hot, in Hot Shots, it's uh, 114 <laughs> versus 60 Damn. in Shaun of the Dead. That's crazy. All right. American Psycho, sorry, number two. American Psycho versus Gross Point Blank. Oh, boy. John Cusack. Oh, boy. Uh, so John Cusack is a assassin in this movie, going to his high school reunion, I've, if I remember correctly. I've never, and then, I've never watched Gross Point Blank because it's it, pretty good. it smacks of a, of a bad movie to me. It's not great, but it does have... <laughs> One of, like, me and my friend's favorite lines, which is uh, Dan Aykroyd. It has Dan Aykroyd as a serial killer. Is that right? Anyways, at one point, he just yells, popcorn! Before he, 
<laughs> before he like starts shooting it. I think I have to see the movie just because everybody talks about yeah. it. Um, so the kill count in American Psycho is not that high. He kills a few bums here and there, and he kills a few hookers, but it pff, couldn't be more than like fifteen. So I'm gonna go ahead and and I I'm gonna go ahead and say gross point blank because it has an assassin. Yeah, <clears throat> you're really close, but wrong. Damn, American Psycho has 18 kills and gross point blank has 16. God damn it, dang, so close. Number three, gee darn it. Oh, you you're just in the process of watching one of these two. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas versus. Creep show. I'm in the middle of watching Creep Show right now. I paused it today. Mm-hmm. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas versus Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, do people die in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Apparently. To my knowledge, no one dies in that movie <laughs> at all. I've seen that movie a ton. Um,. So in Creep Show though, I've seen at least well let's see here, one, uh like two, three, four. It's a it's a high body count in Creep Show. I'm gonna go Creep Show. You are correct. Okay. Creep Show is fifteen. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas is ten. Not what? What like was it the overdoses? Like when he wakes up from the bender, like what are there's there's some people that died from that. Bunch or of lizards. Yeah. <laughs> Lizard people. Can't stay here. It's bad country. Bad country. Number four. Army of Darkness versus Team America World Police. <laughs> Marionettes don't count as people. They count as people. Um uh it's what was the oh, uh Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. See, do the Deadites count as... Are they alive? This is all so confusing. They're named the Deadites. Um, because it doesn't make... Because... Oh, I'm going to say Team America because it was so frivolous. Not to say the Army of Darkness wasn't frivolous, but Team America was insane. Wrong. Damn. Wrong. Wrong. God damn it. Army of Darkness has 107, and Team America has 78. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad so at you this. So you got one, right? Yeah, I have, have one so far. Okay. Last one. Mr. and Mrs. Smith <laughs> versus Day of the Dead. Oh, okay, okay. So I saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith. When I was on vacation in 2007 in Victoria, B.C., uh, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, may have a couple kills. Maybe. Like, maybe someone died in a funeral and there's one. <laughs> um, well, then- this is another one where they both play assassins. Oh. Mr. and Mrs. Smith are assassins. Oh, Hmm. This is the Brad Pitt and Angelina. This oh. is the reason for why. Oh, I haven't seen this. Brad movie. broke up with Jennifer Aniston and went with Brad Jelena. Brad Jelena, yeah. Um, and what was the other movie? Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. It seems like a foregone conclusion to say Day of the Dead 
So I'm going to say the opposite one because that's exactly the kind of trap you would say. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith has 43 kills. Day of the Dead has 40. Oh, man. That's crazy. See, you you set it up. You're, you're like a fucking serial killer with I these know. games. It's, it's great. It's crazy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So I got two out of five. That's two out of five. That's not, not bad. Not terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to horror movie news. That's right. Um, just a couple things. Um, I don't remember any trailers that we saw for, for Jack, House That Jack Built. Uh, no, I don't think they, they showed any trailers. That were of note for horror. Um, mm. just a couple things. Recently, Jordan Peele's Candyman, um, sequel or spiritual sequel. I can't remember how they're describing it. It'll be good. It's confirmed and set for a 2020 release. He's not going to direct it. I think they already found another director for it, but his company is producing it. I wonder, like, what's that? What's that decision about? Like, why not? Why not have him direct it? Well, is probably it, just because he doesn't want to. Probably he's too busy. I don't know. You too good for Maybe. fucking Candyman? Well, bro? he's 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 directing his second film right now, which is. Get, Sounds like it's going to be really good. Get outer. <laughs> um, get out too. The door's over there. <laughs> Weird um, how he like how he just busted onto the scene like the most legit. Yeah, <laughs> like just like wow. How did you do that? And it's because he did it all on his own. Right. Like yeah, he had to do that all on his own to get any respect. Yeah. You know. It, it, kudos. Yeah. Um. Second point, Mike Flanagan, the uh, director of Haunting on Hill House. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House, series on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Raps filming on Doctor Sleep, the Warner Brothers' sequel to Stephen King's The Shining. Hmm. So apparently Flanagan rewrote Akiva Goldsmith's adaption of Stephen King's 2013 novel that picks up the life of the red rum kid when he is in his forties and struggling with the same demons of anger and alcoholism that plagued his father. I love that they say the red rum kid and not Danny from the shining. That's really interesting. Like I, I, I'd love to read that book if it wasn't written by Stephen King. (laughs) If if I knew it wasn't gigantic. Are you, are you above Stephen King? Listen, you are a horror fan and you're, you're snooty about Stephen King. Let's be very clear. Stephen King is one of the most prolific writers of our time. Like, maybe the most. Uh, uh, next to, like, L. Ron Hubbard, who's the most <laughs> of all time. And, uh, and, and furthermore, like, as someone who g- gets paid to write, me, I- I've listened to, like, Stephen King on writing. That dude is fucking legit as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a writer who knows what's up. That being said, there are p- personal styles at play that I cannot abide by. I can't read any of Stephen King's stuff and get into it. I just can't. I've tried and tried and tried. It's just not written for me. Yeah, there's some that that work that are really compelling and dry on, and there's some that's like, wow, he's really just chugging away. Yeah. And just like... There's a lot of cocaine going on here. Yeah. I love the, <laughs> talking about on writing. There's an interview with Stephen King... Uh, interviewing and then vice versa, um, George R. R. Martin, 
Like no. George R. R. Martin <laughs> is interviewing Stephen King. Yeah. And George R. R. Martin is, is like, what do you do about writer's block? And Stephen King's like, fucking write, bro. Just write, man. Just sit down and write. You lazy sack of shit. <laughs> like, that's the implication. Like, right. he, he's like, do you, he's like, you don't just write eight pages a day. Like, that. that's the requirement. You just do that every day. Yeah. It's like, he's such a workhorse, Stephen King. Like, he's. The difference. And obviously, just being that prolific, especially if you have gained a name and just keep chugging them out and not like letting right. the pressure get to you, is like, yeah, this is the career that you can have. Like, you definitely won't have as many readers on every book, but people will know your name and your name will be on the shelves every year or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, a lot of shit gets by. That's, that's the, you know, when you write, when you just fucking write and write and write and write and write and, and you, you write through the days that are hard to write through and you write the shitty stories that aren't nearly as good as the good stories, you just end up with a lot of shit. And it's not like that's a bad thing. It's just, that's sometimes there's some shit in there and you Mm got to get that shit out because you got to get to the next thing. It's admirable what he does. (laughs) Um... Finally, uh, John Carpenter is up for scoring the next Halloween sequel um, from the success of the Halloween sequel released this year. It sounds like Jamie Lee Curtis is also on board. She stated that she'd love to be a part of it, and John Carpenter has stated that he's 100% on board to do the soundtrack. Okay, that's what I thought you meant by saying scoring. Yeah. Like, as, as, as long as... I think... John Carpenter is like fair game as long as all he has to do is do the music. Yeah, just cut me a check. Yeah. I'm good. Um, So that's it for horror movie news and our review of The House That Jack Built. Thanks for sticking around if you're still around. Um, Couple last things to say other than thank you is if you like the show please share the love by giving us a five-star review and share the pod with a friend it helps out a lot if you share us Mm -hmm. and we really appreciate it a lot even just mention it you know just talk about podcasts in general it'll come up yeah say horror movie talk they're pretty good if you're doing your christmas shopping on amazon click through the button on the top right hand side of our website to support the show Small portion of what you spend on Amazon within a 24-hour period after clicking on that will go towards, you know, offsetting the hosting and equipment costs here. So we would appreciate that. Um, feedback is something that we love. So we also have an audience survey. It's in the the main nav of the website, or if you're on the post for this episode, it'll be in the sidebar on our website. Um, yeah. Take a look at uh, take a look at Shutter as well. Remember, if you enter HMT at checkout, you get a thirty day free trial of Shutter instead of a seven day, and uh, and we get we get a little bit of love from from Shutter. So check that out. It's a great streaming platform that has a bunch of exclusives and uh, and a, and a lot of good, interesting, fun stuff on there. So HMT at checkout. Yeah, man. Even if you don't, even if you don't uh, continue through and pay the, you know, exorbitant fee of five dollars a month. Yeah. You know, for uh, for like, access to a ton of great it's horror like $3 movies. Three dollars a month because it's a fifty dollars a year. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Like, even if you don't do that, like, you can get 30-day free trial. Yeah. You know, check it out. I'm sure you'll like it if you're listening to us. You must be a fanatic of horror or fanatic of me or David, which is less know, less, less likely. likely. <laughs> <laughs> if you know us. <laughs> So yes, thanks thanks to Shutter for sponsoring the show. I think we can officially say that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for listening. Reach out to us on social media. We're pretty hungry for for any kind of communication. Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can find all the links on the website horrormovietalk.com. And that's it for the show. Thank you, and I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.